Um, we're going to continue through our series of golden nuggets from the epistles, the epistles being the letters that were written by the apostles in um, the book of Romans, in your New Testament, all the way through uh, the book of Revelation, are just letters to the churches. And today we're going to go to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians. We're going to look at a, a golden nugget, and I've entitled this message, Staying True, Staying True. And when, when the apostle Paul wrote this letter, he is in prison in Rome. Uh, he, this isn't near the end of his death. This is um, earlier on in his imprisonment. He's in under house arrest, so he still has some freedom, and uh, it's not a dire situation, but he's still imprisoned. And the church in Philippi somehow takes up a donation, or they collect gifts for him, and they send them to the Apostle Paul. They send them with a man named Epaphroditus. And the Apostle Paul then writes a letter back to this church as kind of a thank you letter, if you will. But in it, he takes the opportunity to, to teach them, excuse me, to encourage them and to, to uh, help them. And even in this, this ending chapter, in chapter 4, and we're actually going to start in verse 1. As I, I put this together, we had to go back uh, all the way to, to verse 1 to, to get the full context of it. But um, Paul's desire, his, his passion, I mean, this is a church he planted and so when he was on his missionary journeys, he was the one that, that got this church started. I mean, we know it was the Lord but, that did the work, but the Apostle Paul was on the ground when the people were getting saved and when, uh, for the first time, they were starting to come together. He was the one that was baptizing them and helping begin this process. So these, these people are in his heart. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a place of ministry where you just kind of wonder what happens after you leave or if you're in children's ministry when they grow up and they kind of go off on their own you just wonder did anything I say really help did they you know are they are they finishing strong are they keeping with what I've asked them to do are they are they are their hearts still fully committed to the Lord and that's the question that the apostle Paul has and so as he's rehearsing these things in his mind and he's, he's teaching them, we come to verse number one of this closing chapter, which again, by the way, he didn't put chapters in. Uh, we did that to make it a little easier to, to talk about and where to turn to. But starting in, in verse one of chapter four, he says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends. You are my joy and the crown I received for my work. Now I appear, appeal to Yoda and Sinishe. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. For they have worked hard with me in telling the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so, Father, 
As we study your word together, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us from your word, that you would challenge us in areas where we need to be challenged, that you would stretch our faith, that you would correct us, that you would teach us, that you would train us, that you would rebuke us, that we would be fully equipped for every work you've prepared for us to do. We ask it now in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says, here's my desire for you. Stay true to the Lord. You know, nothing else matters at this point. No, no building, no structure, no, no, no nothing, no program. What matters is that you stay true to the Lord. That's my desire for you. And then he goes into this discourse about how much he loves them. And, you know, sometimes we're not good at expressing our, our emotions or we're not good at telling other people how we feel about them or how we appreciate them. And some of us say, well, you know, I'm shy. I'm not really outgoing. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Get over it. Just get over it. That's what we have to do. Those of us that are shy and introverted and it's hard for us to express, we need to just get over it and learn to express to others in the body of Christ uh, how much we appreciate them, how much we, we care about them, uh, our desires to see them grow in the Lord. Uh, if we don't do that, the enemy of our souls will find a way in to destroy our relationships. You know, we can't treat unity in the body of Christ as if it's something uh, that we don't have to work at. If we don't become proactive to establish it in our relationships with one another, it won't be there. Does that make sense? And so Paul is taking this moment to express in the body of Christ. If you can't do it in person, at least put it down on paper. Okay? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm setting you all free to start telling each other in the body of Christ how much we appreciate each other and how much we care about each other. And so Paul says, I want you to stay true to the Lord. And then he begins to tell us how to do that. And here's what he says, in, starting in verse four, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience what? God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, we all want God's peace. We all want His peace to guard our hearts and our minds. Where does it come from? Well, the Apostle Paul says, be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say it, rejoice. Now, he doesn't say, always be happy. But he says, always be full of joy. Joy is about satisfaction. Joy is about contentment. Joy is about the ability to go beyond the immediate things that I see and see the eternal things that are being worked out in the midst of my circumstance. That's what joy is all about. And that is only possible in the Lord. That is only possible as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, where all of this begins and ends is getting perspective or peace from the Lord. His presence brings peace. You want peace? Go to Him. He is peace. And He is a peace that passes all understanding. I mean, even when your emotions are swirling about, in, the, in just an instant, He can bring peace. That doesn't even always take away the emotion. It doesn't even always take away the crazy thoughts that we're thinking, but there's an assurance of peace in the midst of it all. And there's a peace that we can't even understand. So when people ask you, how can you be so calm and rational at this moment? 
I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. There's a calming effect that His presence has on our fears, our anxieties. In fact, I believe it's impossible to worry in His presence. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been fully worried about something and you found yourself in His presence and it's almost like you were in another place completely. And all of a sudden, that worry, that fear, that anxiety, all that you had was just kind of vanished. It was just as if it was gone. And then you stepped out of that moment where you you stepped out of the, the tangible presence of God, if you will, and all of a sudden, it all came back. You know, it was like... The, the worry, the fear, the anxiety, the thoughts. Does anyone understand what I'm talking about? Like you can go into the presence of the Lord. You can be in prayer. You can be in worship. And it's just like everything else is a million miles away. I mean, turn your eyes upon Jesus because the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Is a great song that we sing, but it's true. You want peace in your life, you ask for it. In the midst of worry, in the midst of anxiety, we go to the Lord and we ask. And then we rejoice in the Lord. We live in the Lord. Isaiah chapter 26, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Fixing our thoughts, and we're going to get to that one on him. John 14, 27, I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Find peace in him. So Paul says the same here, thing here. Do not worry literally about no thing. That's what he says. Worry about nothing. No thing at all. Don't let yourself be anxious. That word anxious means to be pulled in several different directions. To be loaded with anxious care. Meaning it's not just the feeling of being anxious, but it's, you know, trying to fix it all. Trying to move about so haphazardly and just anxiously. And I'm just going in every direction trying to to fix this thing. Don't live in that type of worry. Instead, bring your request to the Lord and bring it with thanksgiving. Bring it in the sense that God has already seen it. He's already taken care of it. He's already got a plan. You don't have to worry. So come with thanksgiving. And then we receive peace from the Lord. We settle in our hearts that God sees us. We settle in our hearts that God's in control. We settle in our hearts... That God's at work. Now, I wish, I wish, I wish that just made everything better. I mean, I'm all for prayer. And I believe we, we come to the, the, the Lord and people pray for us. And I believe in an instant God can do things miraculously. But here's what I found. We come to the Lord and we ask Him for peace. And He gives us peace. And we step back into the real world. And the anxiety is still there. Or the, the, the thoughts are still there. Or the broken relationship is still there. Or the, and we, we wonder, oh God, I thought you would just fix it. I thought you would just do it all. And then all I would have to do is just coast through life. No, there's things that the Apostle Paul says. Now you, okay, now that you've received peace from the Lord. Now that you've got the Lord's perspective. Here's what I want you to do. Right relationships. I want you to have right relationships with each other. That's what he says. Look what he he takes the time in this letter to name two ladies by name. 
He says, settle your disagreement. Settle it. I love the fact that their names are written in the book of life. I mean, the Apostle Paul says, you know, their names are, are in the book of life. Get them to settle their disagreement. Apparently, their disagreement has become strong enough that the Apostle Paul has heard about it in Rome. From Philippi. Without cell phones. Without Facebook. He's heard about it. And he says, you need to deal with it. See, the scripture often links our relationship with God with our relationships with people. The only reason we can now have peace with people is because we have peace with God. So the first place we need to go when our relationships with people aren't right is to the Lord. And make sure that we're at peace with the Lord. And then we need to make sure that we are allowing the Lord to work through our lives to bring peace into our relationships. Hebrews chapter 13. God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? See, this is what Joseph learned all the way back in Genesis. It wasn't his brothers that sold him into slavery. It was the Lord that allowed him to be sold into slavery because he was working his plan of redemption. So when you get this perspective from the Lord that He is truly our helper, He is never going to abandon us, He is never going to fail us, then we no longer have to worry about what people are doing to us or saying about us or working against us because He's for us. And if He's for us, who in the world could be against us? And so it makes it a whole lot easier to work toward peace with other people when I don't have to worry about defending myself, when I don't have to worry about protecting myself from you. I can work on peace with you because I know He is guarding me and He's protecting me and He's helping me. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now that humble, gentle, and patience, we're going to get to in just a second. But look at what he says. Making allowance for each other's faults. Making room for other people to not be as perfect as you and I. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. I mean, we are pretty good. It's other people that really need the work. That's how we view it sometimes. And we neglect to remember that when we are trying to deal with other people, or trying to work toward peace with other people, they're just as fallible as we are. And we need to, in the words of modern translation, cut them some slack. Make every effort that you can to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Now the Spirit unites us. Because the Spirit lives in each of us, we're united together. But he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Now, I don't think he would have wrote that if that didn't mean that there was going to be hard work involved. Why do we think that all we have to do is just have the presence of the Lord and everyone's just going to love each other? No. You have got to make every effort to keep yourselves united. And sometimes that means being proactive and telling each other how you feel about each other. Being gracious to each other. Thanking each other. 
praising each other, doing that kind of stuff, not just waiting for something bad. In fact, the reason most of the time that conflict management doesn't work very well in the church is because we don't do a good enough job building one another up when there isn't conflict. And so then when we try to deal with conflict, we wonder why that doesn't go well. We haven't put anything into the bank. In premarital counseling, we talk about putting good positive comments in the bank so that when you ever have to go to your spouse and bring up something difficult, that you have put enough in that bank that you're able to make a withdrawal because that's in essence what you're doing. And if you don't sow good things, if you don't constantly tell each other that you love each other, if you're not sowing into the bank, when that negative thing comes up, look out. I mean, this isn't rocket science. You've got to put in if you want to be able to, to take out. And so what are these two women upset about? Well, whatever it is, it's insignificant. But here's the thing. I promise you to neither of them, it's insignificant. But to the Apostle Paul and ultimately to the Lord, it's insignificant. Most of what gets in the way of our relationships with people on earth to the Lord is insignificant. Because if it causes harm to the body of Christ, if it causes harm to your relationships with other people, it's insignificant. That doesn't mean that people don't legitimately hurt us. But at the end of the day, the Apostle Paul says, set it aside and do it for the sake of the body of Christ. And when we receive perspective from the Lord, it's more easy to do that. He says, back in Philippians uh, chapter 4, he says, to let your consideration or be considerate to all men. Literally, that means let your reasonableness be seen by all men. Let your calm, let your, your, your steadiness in how you treat people. This word brings with it the connotation of relationship. It's not just let, your, let yourself be shown considerate, but in how you treat people. Let people see that you are a considerate person. In other words, that you are considering the other person's feelings. You are considering the other person's point of view. You are considering the other person's lifestyle. And you're trying to deal with things in a way you're working at peace with them, considering them, not just you. That's what he says. Let your reasonableness, let your gentle disposition be seen by all men. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Sometimes you wonder, is the Apostle Paul rambling? I mean, is he just like, okay, I'm closing the letter, I've got to throw everything in there that I need to think of. I mean, let your reasonableness be known to all men, the Lord is coming soon. What's he talking about? Well, he could be referring back to Matthew chapter 18. Remember when Jesus told this story about the man that was forgiven the huge debt? And then he went out and he, he found someone that owed him a much smaller debt? But he threw that man into prison until he could pay back everything. And Jesus says this, the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying, be considerate to each other, deal with your disagreements, work on living at peace with each other because the Lord is coming soon. And remember, how you treat each other is how He'll treat you. Man, we ought to be storing up mercy. 
Don't you think? I mean, if that verse is any way true, we, would, we need to be making sure we treat each other a whole lot better than we do. Because I want it to go well for me. I want him to be very merciful. I know he needs to be very merciful. So I don't want to dare treat anyone else in a different way. We have been empowered to maintain peace with others. And that's how we work towards this mutual peace with one another. Then he says this. Not only do you need to have right relationships, you need to have right thinking. Brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, again, the peace of God is not a feeling. It's an assurance. And even when you feel anxious or you feel afraid, you can have His peace because it's an assurance. It's a a principle. It's a truth. It's not a feeling. Feelings can be easily manipulated or altered. And so even in the midst of difficult emotions, you can maintain peace. We receive peace from God, but we fix our thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely. We don't fix our emotions on those things. We fix our thoughts on those things. And you know, here's the funny thing. When we fix our thoughts on things, it affects our emotions. In fact, if you start to feel worried about something and you continue to worry about that thing and you continue to think of all of the possible things that could go wrong with that thing, the worry is not going to subside. But if you fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right, you can find that your emotions will begin to sway. Now, it doesn't always happen as quickly as we'd like. I wish this was a magic wand that we could just wave over our heads. But sometimes our emotions are really crazy stuff. And sometimes we have to continue to fix our thoughts. This takes just as much work as working on our relationships with other people. But when we let God transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. 2 Corinthians 10, do we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. Christ. Isaiah said he kept in perfect peace those whose thoughts are fixed on him. Again, I don't see anything about our feelings in there. That means I can feel afraid. I can feel anxious and yet still have assurance and peace by fixing my thoughts on him. Now that takes effort. That takes work. And sometimes that takes help from other people. Sometimes it takes a friend to walk alongside you in the name of an accountability partner or a pastor or a counselor or some other friend. And that's okay as long as we're fixing our thoughts on what is true. You know, most of what we worry about, they, they estimate that 85% of things that we worry about either never happen or will or could never happen. 85%. That's a whole lot of false. And the father of lies will do a very good job of, of issuing thoughts into your mind to think about. But you set your heart on what is true. You set your heart on what is honorable or fitting or appropriate. 
what is right or proper, what is pure, without any moral defect. That literally is the word for sexual purity. Set your heart on what is pure, your mind on what is pure. How can we, we watch things filled with sexual immorality and think our thoughts will be pure, men? Seriously, how is that even possible? If you want your thoughts to be pure, put good thoughts in. That's just, the word carries with it that, that sexual purity. To be lovely, thinking about what is lovely, that which is pleasing causes others to be pleased or ultimately pleases the Lord. That's what lovely is. To be admirable, that which deserves approval. To be morally excellent. This is the word for extreme goodness. Not just try to think minimum goodness, but extreme goodness. It's like a reality TV show, extreme goodness. And then that which is worthy of praise or just literally deserving of praise. And so think about for one second how many of our daily thoughts fit into that category. One of those categories. And how many of our daily thoughts fall outside of that? Is it any wonder why our lives don't overflow with peace? Peace is not a magic wand that God brings into our lives. He does bring peace, but if we don't fix our thoughts on this stuff, that peace will not remain. We have got to fix our thoughts on what is right, what is good. Attaching, literally, our thoughts to Him. So here's the question. What's our plan to change? Who's the person that's going to help hold me accountable for where my thoughts are? And I love it when people have friends or coworkers or, or loved ones or people that they say, you know what, this person helps me put into practice what I need to put into practice. Otherwise, we keep living the same path that we've always lived. So not only do we have to have right relationships, we have to have right thinking. Now we have to have right living. We have to have right living. Ultimately, this one, this is big. Look, keep putting into practice. I mean, that's another fancy word for obedience. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. That's what they call cause and effect. I mean, I, oh God, I come to the altar every Sunday and I pray for your peace and my life is not filled with peace. Are you putting into practice what you have learned and received and heard and saw me doing? See, we in America, once we've heard it once, we're done with it. I mean, I already I know that. Tell me something I don't know. But biblically, we don't know it until we're actually putting it into practice on a regular basis. That's knowing. And so we come week after week and we're like, Pastor, tell me something I don't know. There's nothing we don't know. In fact, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that we don't know in that sense of knowing. It's just that we, we aren't living up to what we've already received. Look what the Apostle Paul says earlier in Philippians 3.16. Let us hold true to what we've already attained and walk and order our lives by that. 
See, here's the thing. If I want peace in my life, I have to walk in obedience to God. If God reveals something to me and I choose not to walk in it or I get lazy and don't habitually walk in it, I walk away from it, guess what? No peace. No peace. I mean, I may be able to come to the altar and feel like a sense of peace for a moment, but that peace is not going to remain on my life until I surrender myself to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Just one act of disobedience, I'm not saying God's like waiting to remove his peace from our lives and every time we mess up, God's like, no peace, taking it away. But when we habitually live in ways that are opposed to what he's asked us to do, it would go against his nature to bring peace into that. And there are so many of us that sit in church week after week after week and our lives literally, it's not even the stuff we don't know, it's the stuff we've already heard and we're not really changing our lives to put it into practice. And then yet we're saying, God, oh God, we need your peace. And God's like, I've showed you the path of peace. Just walk in it. Just walk in it. These are things that, these take effort on our part. I mean, right relationships, right thinking, right living. This isn't just, you know, get in a prayer line, get your stuff, and you're good to go. I mean, this is day-to-day battle, grind, putting it into practice over and over and over again. This is hard. And that's okay, because he's with us. He's never going to fail us. He's never going to abandon us. Even when we are unfaithful to him, he remains faithful to us. So let's not get tired of doing what's good, what's right. At just the right time, we reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I love this passage of scripture. This is my last one from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Because Moses, when the people are going into the promised land, he says, this command that I'm giving you today, it's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey? Now, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, peace and no peace, between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. This isn't a hard command. I mean, this stuff is right here. I mean, this is the stuff that the Lord has said, hey, lay this down. Surrender this. Stop doing this. Start doing this. Some of us, we know over and over God has told us to deal with our relationships, and yet we still hold grudges like it's okay. We know that God says to to be careful what we're we're putting into our, our bodies and what we're putting into our mind, and yet our entertainment choices remain completely unchanged. But yet, God, I would love to have your peace in my life. 
I'm sorry, God is not a genie in a bottle that we can rub at will to bring into our lives whatever He wants. He has come into our lives so graciously, so mercifully, and He has shown us the path of peace if we will walk in it. And so the Apostle Paul says, everything that you have heard, everything that you've received from me, continue to put it into practice. Here's the thing, I don't think there's anything else out there that we need to learn, that we need to hear, that we need to know. Say, oh, I can just start staying home from church then. No, the Apostle Peter said it best when he said, you already know this, but I'm going to continue to remind you of these things. Because sometimes we don't mean to forget, we just forget. Sometimes we get so busy with living that if we don't stop, and that's the thing, we have got to stop and take evaluation of our lives. This is where having other people speaking into our lives comes in really handy because they can point out things a whole lot quicker than you and I because you and I are around us all day long. So we get familiar with us and we don't see the bad spots of us. They become blind spots. And other people can surely come right into our lives and say, hey, watch this. And can I tell you something? Those kind of people in your life, the Bible says you should get them. I mean, we like the people that want to come into our lives and tell them, hey, you're doing a good job, even when the job you did was absolutely terrible. And if someone tells you you did a great job when the job you did was terrible, they are not your friend. Your friend will say, hey, I love the effort, but that stunk. If, it is, if it's true, I love the effort that you put into that. I love the passion that you played with, but man, you were terrible. Isn't that what you want to hear? I mean, not really. But then you can fix it. If they say, hey, you did a great job, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stink for the rest of your life. You're not going to make any changes. Why should I make any changes? I did a great job. See why it's so important that we work on walking in agreement with each other? Do you see why it's important to really tell each other the things that we appreciate and care about each other? So that when along comes a, a, a poor performance, we can stick to just the performance. What you did just now, the way you handled that, that wasn't good. And it can be received. See, the Apostle Paul, here's what he's saying. I want you to stay true to the Lord. How do we stay true to the Lord? You're going to need right relationships. You're going to need right thinking. And you're going to need right living. And if you've got those three things, and you constantly come to the Lord to receive the peace of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, and you live in Him, you're going to stay true to Him. That's how it is. That's the method that you got to do. I'm going to ask uh, Christy to come back to the keyboard. And as we get ready to close today, uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And uh, if you need to be dismissed, we're going to dismiss. But we want to take a moment. If you're here and you want to be prayed for, we want to pray for you. If you have found yourself in a position or a situation where you need the peace of the Lord, um, we want to pray for you to have peace. Or maybe you just want to spend some time in prayer by yourself and ask the Lord for peace. For some of you, if you're in relationships that need to be mended or you know, see, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wonder. Lord, are there any relationships that I need to like, are there any people that I need to go to and make things right with or work towards agreement with? Here's the funny thing about the Holy Spirit. You ask him questions like that and he will gladly show you. I mean, don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you that there are no people that I need to work on my relationships with. 
Go to the Lord and say, Lord, are there people that I need to go? And if he only gives you one name, don't be like, wow, that's great. I only got one person. (laughs) Also, the nice thing about the Holy Spirit is he doesn't overwhelm us. So that doesn't mean that you only got one person you got to work on. Uh, It just means there's one you're going to start with. And here's the thing. Working on that relationship may have nothing to do with the other person. It may all be about us. It may be about our attitude that needs to change. It may be our personality that maybe needs to have the rough edges sanded off of. So don't think God wants you to work on a relationship because that person needs it. It could be you. It could be me. Are there any relationships? God, what about my thought life? How is it? What do I need to change? Are Are there things? God, what's the step I need to take today? What about right living? Are there areas of my life? Here's another great question to ask the Holy Spirit. Are there areas of my life where I'm being disobedient? Where you have told me to do something, and here, some of you even right now are like, just stop. I already know. I already know. Just get to the altar call. You know, that's the thing about God. He disciplines those he loves. I would venture to say that every one of us in this room, if we were truly honest and say, God, show me one area of disobedience, he'd bring one. I don't know that any of us have arrived to the point where there's no disobedience. We want to be aware of it today. And so we're going to pray together, and then I'm going to invite you, if you want to come around the altar and pray, or if you want to be prayed for, to come. If you want to pray by yourself, find a place to kneel. If you want to be prayed for, stand. That's just the way we differentiate between who wants to be prayed with and uh, who wants to just spend some time in prayer by yourselves. And so let's stand together. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself, your ways, and your plans to us through your word. God, we don't have to wonder who you are. We don't have to wonder what you're like. We don't have to wonder how to live our lives. God, you have set before us today life and death. Holy Spirit, today we ask for peace. We ask for the calming presence of the Lord. We ask that you would help us to prioritize our lives, that we would be able to find more times to spend in your presence, that we would learn to live more in your presence because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence, there's an assurance of peace. God, in your presence, we have fresh perspective. We have eternal perspective. And so God, today we ask for your peace to settle in our hearts. God, we want to remain true to you. My desire for this congregation, for our lives, is God that every one of us throughout the the course of our lives will remain true to you. And so Holy Spirit, help us to maintain right relationships with one another. Help us to be proactive in working on relationships. Father, no more excuses about how shy we are or how it's just not who we are. God, that we would find ways to get outside of ourselves and minister one to another, to work on living at peace with all men. God, especially those that we have difficulty. And have have had hurts and other things pile up in our lives. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in obedience to your word today. Help us to have right thinking to fix, to attach our thoughts on what, is, on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is right. 
Father, I ask that you'd help us to have right living. Forgive us for the times where we have heard your word and not put it into practice. Forgive us for the times where we have received your word and not been diligent to keep it. Holy Spirit, reveal to us those areas of our lives where we've become lazy, where we've become indifferent, where we've become flat-out rebellious. Make those things plain and clear to us today that we can repent. God, that we can turn back to what is right and walk in your ways. God, that your peace might be able to govern our lives, that it would guard our hearts and our minds as we walk in Christ Jesus. Seal these words in our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name. If you'd like to spend some time in prayer, these altars are open. If you want to be prayed for, I'd encourage you to come and stand. We'd love to take the opportunity to pray with you. If not, God bless you as you go.